Hi, hello. Thank you for joining us for Married at First Sight, season 16, episode 10. Starting off with announcements. One person has joined our March Madness pool. I see you. I thank you. I don't know if you want me to use your name, so I'm not going to give you a name shout out, but I appreciate you. You might win all the prizes. (laughs) We have one brave soul out there that signed up for the men's and women's brackets for our pool. Yes. Now, we said we're going to have a prize for the best, you know, top score, the winner and the worst. It's probably going to be something like a $25 Amazon gift card, something basic, something we can get to you relatively. Like through email. Right. In a simple manner. Right. Um, But please, yes, sign up. We're really, we're just here to talk maybe some Twitter trash, have a good time. Some people, again, like Ellie said, might just pick off of mascots. That's totally fine. But as it stands, it's either going to be we're going to win maybe $10 as being the loser or $25 for being the winner to ourselves. So feel free to join up. Absolutely no pressure. I pick off based mostly. I mean, at some point I start paying attention to standings, but a lot of the time it's what name do I like better? What mascot is this? I like the color of that uniform better. So no pressure. We'll include the links to the men's and women's pools in the show notes and also most likely send out uh, tweets throughout the weekend. It's it's pretty much coming down to the time where you have to make your brackets. I believe it's probably Sunday, this Sunday and Monday, and it's the 10th uh, 10th of March as we're recording this. So I believe it's this weekend where you pretty much have to start filling out your brackets. Yes. So there is selection Sunday on Sunday evening. From that moment when all the teams are selected, then you can make your brackets all the way into Tuesday when the first game happens. So I will probably make mine Monday. Well, me and you are going to have to agree on it because we only have one. I think the women's are one day ahead of that timeline. Ooh, let me check because I did only look up the men's. Okay. I'll post things. Sure. Announcement number two, Sister Wives is coming back. We have decided... To cover season two. We were going to stop at season one, but it's been so fun and there were bangers. (laughs) So we're going to continue. The goal is to get it out maybe Monday, Tuesday next week. So hang out with us. It'll be a fun return. Yeah, season one was just a kind of like a test experiment for us because we kind of we just wanted to rewatch the show and just talk our shit. And a lot of people gave us great feedback. We got new reviews from that series. Uh, which is really cool. It's really cool to go back in the past. And thank you all for tuning in to the um, season one. We also didn't know if anyone would want a recap. So knowing that people do want it, of course, that, that makes it so much better. Anything else? I don't think so. I missed this live. I was out in an old, um, old coworkers. We got together and had some dinner. So I missed out on what I always say is like 40% of the reason, maybe more of why I even watch this show, which is Twitter Mafia. How was it? Was it divided? I thought it was going to be a better episode. It dragged on a little bit. And then people online also kind of echoed it was a pretty boring episode. But as always, I find something fun about it. I can talk crap about anything. It had the theme you love where... They're trying to sell it off as the couples are planning these dates, but you no. always see through them like there's no, like you have to get permission to film like you're not planning any of these dates. Not only that, but these people would not plan these dates. Even, okay, say there's like creative ones. They did not, absolutely not. And I'll always go back to Jasmina. 
when she had her color coordinated sign made that matched her gym clothes and made a workout day for her and Michael. Jasmina is not going to go get this stuff printed. She's not a graphic designer. No. The one I will say is for sure planned was the sailing. I even don't think that was planned. No. So I think Clint took her out, but they said, hey, Clint, take her out. I think Clint has taken every woman in his life sailing. As he should, as I would if I (laughs) could sail. But starting with your boy, he was acting up. He couldn't even keep it in. We are talking about Eris and Jasmine, of course. The Eris stock is only falling, and this episode did nothing to help him. Nothing. So I always gave Eris a lot of grace because we have friends that are heiresses. And so I think he's hilarious, but man, not someone you want to be in a relationship with. And it is just on full display this episode. So he got COVID. He's resting. Did you notice Jasmine did not shy away from him during this time? She was still at the apartment. She was making soup for him, being so loving. No, she's a real one. She she is there for honest reasons. She was there to... Find a partner, have a marriage. You know, I I believe that. And she showed that in the way she cared for Eris during his time of COVID. To repay her for her time, her lovingness, he went with her to wash her dog. It was cute. His reasoning was nice. I wanted to take something off of her plate. I wanted to kind of show my gratitude. Those are all great things. But I didn't think going with her to wash her dog poorly was helping her that much like if you just took the dog on your own to get groomed that's taking something off of her plate not i don't know just your presence isn't really helping her (laughs) also shout out to the dog spa this is not the first time we've had a dog spa on the show i think this is in their their apartment oh you serious yeah oh isn't that amazing Oh, that's nice. This is like an all very included apartment. If it is, that's what I thought it was because they just walked into that room and it looked like it was a hallway behind them. Oh, interesting. I did not catch that. That is so fancy. Hmm. Think about how many dog lovers are out there. That's a big selling point, I bet, that you can just like wash your dog super fast, have all the equipment, the big tub. Oh, yeah. If you had it built in as a part of your monthly, you know, just included as a part of the whole setup. That's that's incredible. So there's a few separate conversations about intimacy, past relationships. In the first one, they talk about love. Jasmine opens up about her past loves, how she is not scared of love. And it's wild that Eris, a four-year-old man, has to ask, like, doesn't that scare you? No. (laughs) It's odd how they've both, or how differently they have approached being in love. Whereas Jasmine, she admits that She's been in love about three times. And if you think about it, you know, you fall in love with someone. It doesn't work. There's going to be a little bit of a heartbreak. You know, that's someone you you loved at some point in time. And you move on. And Eris makes it seem like one time he got close to falling in love and it didn't work out. So it's sort of like, okay, now I'm just going to build these walls and I'm not going to be in love again. Which is how you know you're ready to get married. It's just interesting how... Well, then he asks, like, aren't you scared of that? But in Jasmine's case, she's like, I've been through this three times. Like, I know what it's like. So I'm not, it's not something I fear. So I don't fear falling in love. Eris talks about the male ego being very fragile. And what you said, it 
You almost got there once, he was let down. This is what happens when you let your walls down. Those are never coming down again. In the next conversation, it looks like they're just hanging out at home one night. Eris is making them some drinks and they decided to play Never Have I Ever. Never a good idea. Never a good idea. (laughs) Honestly, this went worse than I could have imagined. Probably as bad as it could have gone. So to start this off, Eris announces, as we know, I'm a very sexual person. The fact that he cannot read the room and understand that you are not being sexual or intimate with this woman, that's not a good way to start this game off. Also, the way Eris judged her for every answer, considering... Mm -hmm. Imagine this woman's upbringing. Her, Her father is a pastor... She she seems to be fairly religious, um, very professional in the way she presents herself. And the way he sort of, um, you know, knocks her down for being in, in some ways what he would probably define as like a straight edge. Like it's it's not a good look. Eris dogs her for never kissing a person of the same sex, not having sex while someone was watching and not being an essentially an orgy. I but, but in a way, he also got on her for never cheating on someone. Yes. And I was like, wait a minute. These these sound like this sounds like the perfect partner. <laughs> like this is who this is who you want to be married with. And he just seems so disappointed that Jasmine hasn't had these experiences that apparently he's had like cheating on someone because for some reason Eris just imagines whoever's going to be his wife has previously cheated on their partner. What I'm noticing about Eris is that he is attracted to the kind of drama and rush that that brings. The safe way is not what he wants. You know what it could be? It's like a defense mechanism. I need to find someone that either has done the things I do or sort of is on that level because I won't feel less than. Yeah. Like I I would imagine right now he thinks Jasmine must view me as some type of way because I'm admitting all these things, but let me let me joke about it to sort of protect myself. Like, oh man, haven't you lived? Like, oh, your life's so boring. And she's like, yeah, sorry, I've never cheated on somebody. And in the same vein, sort of giving him permission, almost saying it's okay that that happened before. By joking about it, by calling her boring, he's trying to like avoid it. Here's the counter though. He thought Jasmine was essentially, hasn't lived or is boring because she hasn't kissed someone of the same sex. Now, I wish Jasmine would have turned that around on him. Like, wow, I can't believe you've never kissed a man. Like, I know. You, you haven't lived. That's what I'm saying. I just think there was, there's just a level of unfairness there in that whole conversation. And she just takes it, though, which bugs the crap out of me. Turn it around on him. Pick at him. No, I think th- this is the start. This is the start when Jasmine starts to distance herself from Eric. She kind of figures, like, this is... Is this really the guy that I want to be married to? Like, I don't think so. But you notice in the next episode, skipping ahead a little bit, he talks about how he is sort of checking out. So he is still just leaving her hanging. It sucks to see because she never says anything bad about this man. It's wild. It seems like Jasmine, she's supportive, doing all the right things, taking care of you when you're sick, so on and so forth. But there's no. There's no movement in that needle of, you know, more towards a relationship, not love, just like, and, and, you know, the natural flow of things. It almost seems like there has been 
no like if you look at them now to honeymoon no movement backwards no movement backwards there was at least like a hint of possible romance no nothing now yeah day we're talking day three to day 19 no movement we see some couples at least embracing at the hip where we have seen (laughs) almost nothing from them yeah also, I pointed it out on social media, but I have to here as well. Eris is the type of guy that, as he is doing, is going to kind of dog her for her lack of experience, lack of being with other people. But he would also be like, ew, I don't want that. Like, I'm not going to be with you because you've been out in these streets. He, he, you cannot make him happy. It doesn't mm, matter. I, I can see that. I can see that. Nicole and Chris's doggos are so much more loud than I realized in the morning. These dogs are full of energy. They are ready for the day. I feel like the doggos should feel my energy and my energy is currently to be sleeping. (laughs) I feel like we need to bond to that level. I I think it takes a special dog. So Nicole and Chris go for couples massages. A theme with Chris this episode. Bringing up his toxic ex multiple times. Is he okay? Has he moved on? Is he healed? Because he brought it up in almost every conversation they had. In some ways, uh, one, I'm going to think, no, he's not. Don't put that energy into this relationship. This is not that relationship. This is totally different. But in in some way, he was so hurt that he has to reference it to sort of protect himself or, or see the signs of, you know, maybe I should avoid this. I can say that. You know, to take him out of these certain situations that could hurt him in a relationship. And it's also not fair to Nicole because he is playing by rules that he wish he played by with this other person. But right. and that's now you're, not Nicole. And you're also, you know, comparing relationships just doesn't, it doesn't sound good. And also having hard rules because, I mean, everything's, everything with everyone will be different. Sure. Yep. And your rules honestly shouldn't apply to everyone you're gonna feel different you're gonna act different it's okay chris's last massage was with his toxic ex eight years ago and so this one's much better i do not like talking during massages i thought the exact same thing i'm like okay wait a minute talking during a massage seems really awkward like i don't want to talk to you like we do a couple massages every now and then it's been a long time it's been a long time i don't want to talk to you i don't want to talk to the people just like we already talk a lot. Like I just want to always together. I just want to just relax, yeah. just enjoy. Do you think, you know, cause there's a whole camera crew there, production producer. Oh, that is awkward. Are they like, Hey, you guys should ask each other this. And probably. Record. Yeah, probably. How, I mean, I don't think the most, I've never had a massage therapist that was real chatty. So I bet they asked them to ask Chris and Nicole questions. They talk about how their love language is touch and how Nicole didn't really feel this way before, but it's turned into her number one since being with Chris. Chris and Nicole go on a date night, and I wish we saw kind of more of this between all the couples. Just an average date night. Nothing crazy. It doesn't have to be a big event. Just a date night. They go and have absinthe. And Nicole brings up the L word again, which I think is brought up every single episode. Every, yeah, every episode, yeah, since the, does it, do you love me? Mm-hmm. Was, that, was that the start of it? Yep. And then every day asking Chris, if today was decision day, what would you say? 
I just feel like that brings that just brings some odd energy. It's screaming insecurity to me. That that you thank you. You said it. I, I didn't really want to go there, but yes, like <laughs> you know, it it's gonna make the other person uncomfortable. Twenty days in, just chill. Like I know it's super hard, and you. I mean, she was very clear from the beginning. She needs that reassurance. But at some point, it can't be someone reassuring you every minute of every day. Also, you just want to hear the word. But what if that person doesn't mean the word and everything that comes with it? Right. It, it, it means nothing. It's, its value is nothing if yes. they don't mean it. So let this person mean it. You know, I'll give it to Chris. He's trying to do his best to... Not, not answer politically, but just how can I answer so I don't hurt Nicole's feelings? And the way he's doing it isn't good either because, again, we're bringing up the ex, the hard rules, the past experiences. He should have said something for right now, for the relationship right now, not because of what he's experienced. Then we see a very random conversation with them on the couch, and the whole thing was unnecessary, not needed in any way. Chris talks about how he always wants to look good for Nicole, how he's not where he wants to be. He is a little bit insecure about his appearance. And Nicole was very loving saying, you know, no one is. Who is? It's fine. You know, we're eating a little bit better. We're working out a little bit more. We're a little bit healthier. We're making progress to where we want to be. You really wanted Chris to just stop? Like, oh, that, that could have been it. You know, let's just, we just end this conversation right now. We're doing great. We're eating better. Uh, you know, we both look great. It could have ended right there. It would have been perfect. But instead, we continue on. Chris says, I wanted to let you know. I told them that you have a beautiful smile, a beautiful face, but you're a little thicker than I would normally go for. But for me, thick is athletic. Thick is sexy. I just want to be honest. I know you refer to yourself as being thicker. And I love Nicole's response. I can say it, you cannot. A woman can talk about her body, how she feels she needs to talk about it, you cannot. I mean, I feel very similar, just as a woman doesn't need to comment on a man's body. Everyone just keep, no one touch each other and no one talk about each other's bodies. <laughs> this conversation confirmed my suspicions last week where, in some ways, I think Chris is saying this out of trying to protect himself from Nicole's wrath. Yes, because she may be Did you feel seeing that? it soon. Yes. You felt for that. For some reason. Now, I don't know the timeline, but at some point she may see that he said that. But, I mean, kind of what I said last week, like, if it became an issue, which it most likely would have now that we... I didn't realize Nicole had body dysmorphia and she'd been, like, trying to deal with it for years. So it most likely would have been something that hurt her. I don't know. I just feel like dealing with it then is almost better than now and then because you're still going to have to deal with it then as well. Is this the most we've seen where dudes are just calling their partners thick out of any of like all yes, seasons? I think so. I don't think we've ever seen two guys bring up the word thick. Also, personally, I realize this is just me. I don't consider thick a bad word, like, but I know it is for some people as in, you know, this conversation. I'm just saying the... Feelings placed on the word is different. Right, right. And then Nicole was immediately self-conscious and said, well, I feel like I have to hide my roles during this conversation. And then I felt so bad for her because no one should feel uncomfortable in their own home with their partner. There was a sequence where, as Chris is mentioning this, they sort of cut to uh, Nicole's face shot. 
I was like, I think she could cry right now. Yeah. It looks sad. it looks that bad. I don't know. I don't know how you like what do you say after this? We kind of just cut away. But like your whole day is real awkward. Your whole week is real awkward. You know, honestly, remember the shot where Nicole hated the picture they chose? Yeah. This is gonna all those emotions are gonna come back of just hating all of these moments. Yeah. Especially because, now that Chris mentioned this. And then also the way she dealt with that before is like bringing people into those conflicts. Like, look at this photo. Look at this shirt. Uh, I'm so worried that this is going to spiral into something, bringing friends into it, bringing other people's opinions into it, which is never good. When we catch up with Clint and Gina, the first scene is just Gina working. Like, I'm really over this. I swear, she's probably told them, and I mentioned it last week. I am a workaholic. If you want to catch some video of me, I will be at my salon. I just don't see why a workaholic is like, I have no time. Perfect. Let's start a marriage. But great oh, advertisement. No, but again, did they show like the, the, the name of the locale? Yeah, I thought I, outside they did. In this episode? Yeah. Damn it. What the fuck, Mass? <laughs> what the fuck? Show me Clint's work. Give what? me his logo. Yeah, him on his laptop. <laughs> <laughs> So Clint is calling his mom and talking to her about everything that's been going on. He says that things have been comfortable, that things are fine, but doesn't really know where things will go since Gina is mostly focused on her work. Did you notice in this scene, the camera zoomed into whatever was in Clint's glass? Like we had a whole moment of just zooming in on his cup. It was just water. It was really weird editing. Maybe they were like, what intern edited this? I don't care (laughs) about the man's glass. He was doing so much poking and prodding because of his mom's background of kind of going through this herself. Well, yeah, she is a business owner and mom had good feedback. I mean, she was honest. She was like, yeah, the first year or two, that is your life. Oh, I thought she said the first four. Maybe she did. I don't I know. I think she said the first four. So and Clint's I mean, like, oh, oh, I that's see. right where Gina hmm. is at. He's like, interesting. (laughs) She talks about how now that the work-life balance is super important to her, that she can take time off. She has so much flexibility and that it's nice now. But we always have to think about, well, Gina's in that first year mode. So, Right. I mean, Gina even mentioned like there's sort of a a process of giving up a little bit of of responsibility in the business, right? You you have Mm -hmm. a team. Um, they work with you and you sort of, you know, delegate responsibilities, you free up time, everyone's, you know, hopefully everyone has a nice work-life balance, but she's not at that step yet. Clint loves a good metaphor. He says the runway is shortening to land this plane. This man talks in flight passages and ocean water terms. How do you become this? I don't do you, know. Like, I don't know anyone that uses so many analogies. I've never never used later on. He mentioned something about a rash and love or something or a relationship. And I'm like, what? Yeah. He always does that to everything. I was like, I would never use the word rash to describe a rash to describe any kind of relationship. (laughs) So then we catch Gina and Clint at the salon because that's the only place they can hang out. Apparently. Do you think it's within walking distance? Because he says, well, I'm gonna go back to work. Yeah, probably. I mean, that would be nice for Gina. Just walk to work. That's pretty cool. Gina was talking about how she's looking forward to introducing Clint. But the first thing that came to my mind, which is probably not the best thing, was I don't care what my coworkers think about my husband. I don't know. It's not an introduction that I'm like nervous about or really care about. You're a social butterfly. You get along with anyone. 
Sure. But, so maybe that's it. But you don't use weird analogies. <laughs> whether your coworkers like me or not is not going to determine if you want to keep going down a relationship. No, it'll just like determine if I want to talk crap about them. <laughs> right. So Gina's coworker friend, someone said that she envisioned Clint to be dirty. And that is so insulting. I would immediately be like, wow, fuck you guys. I'm going back home. I wonder if this is because of how Gina has described Clint to them. Oh, maybe. But even then, that's like pillow talk for work. <laughs> you keep that to yourself. Yeah, you can't, you can't bring in the pillow talk to the live conversation. Yes. That's, pretend that doesn't exist. That is work talk. You leave that at work. So they are holding hands while answering questions. I was surprised they even held hands. And they did the fingers intertwined, which is even more intimate. So proud of them. They talk about what brings them joy and they had similar thoughts of quality time, family, friends, and then Clint says food as well. You know, the third F. They talk about kind of childhood issues, things that they had to work through in therapy and the mind shift that Gina had to do while growing up. Clint talks about how he got a woman pregnant and unfortunately a few weeks later she had a miscarriage. It tore him up inside. He was so excited to be a father and he really wanted to be present in that kid's life, even if he was not together with the mother of this child. He would get full body rashes. It was a very stress response and that was really sad to hear. I know these things are tough to talk about, but uh, especially obviously going through a, a miscarriage, but when the folks on this show talk about their past and get real like this it makes them as a character so much more interesting they're they're they become more more real right us ourselves we're not going through married at first sight so it's entertainment and we really can't connect with them to that level because we haven't been through that but when they talk about these real life experiences that they've been through i think that makes them more engaging or it makes you be able to um see what they've gone through in, in their past, right? A lot of people have had tough childhoods coming up, right? Like you could, oh, wow, this is a real person. Like they, they're not just this individual running a business and on maps, like they, there's this whole history behind them. I think it straight strengthens their relationship as well. You're more human. You have similarities. It's, you have overcome things in your life. It just makes for way more deeper of a connection and way more interesting to watch. And everyone has some type of wall up. So the fact that they're, even though, you know, it might be a, an exercise by the show, but it really, it really does force you to open up and in some ways trust this individual. You're really trusting them with this information, but obviously there's cameras there. So now it's going to be, you know, uh, all over the world. But in that moment, you are trusting this person with that information. So hang on to this thought about trust, intimacy, information, trauma when we get to Kirsten and Shaq. <laughs> but back to Gina and Clint real quick. They are going to the professional bull riding downtown. Honestly, seems super fucking dope. So I thought it was very interesting that neither one of them have been to an event like this before. Are they both locals to Nashville? I don't. Ooh. Because in my head, this is like what you do in Nashville. Oh. <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad oh, way, oh, but I'm just saying if right. you, if this is the environment you grew up in, like 
is it your first one at 35 years old or whatever? Mm, true. I was just curious. But in the same vein as that I said before, another thing that they did not plan themselves, because are you planning this if oh, you've no, never done no. it? No, you got to get permission to film. You're no. getting VIP tables. Yeah, no. 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 It seemed like a good date, though. It did. They had a lot of fun. They need that. They were dancing at one point. Like, it was a very cute date. And then they went out after. And she had her hand on his shelf. Small shelf. But it's a shelf. But we it's a appreciate shelf. all shelves. Sure. All shapes, sizes, sure. lengths. <laughs> no, that's. She enjoyed. I mean, touching, natural touching. Wow. Uh, again, going back to Eris and Jasmine from day two, three to 19. No movement. Yes. Okay. You, you no, help, there's you, a movement. You help someone. Yeah, sure. You help someone clean their dog, but. Oh, them. Yes. Them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm talking no movement, if not negative movement. <laughs> yes. And we got Clint and Gina who. That shit looked like it was going to be over after day three, yes. day four. And now they have their L- arms bit, around their waist. A little bit of a comeback. Wow. Yeah. I'm you here know? for it. Okay. They didn't have to do that. I roasted the crap out of Gina for the first few episodes. But I can see where this could go well. I can see where they would be good for each other. Do I think they'll get there? Probably not. But I can see it. No, you're just shaking your head. No, no, no. no. I, I, I agree 100%. What, what I mean is, yeah, you, you see uh, an image of what that could look like. Right? Yes. I, I see that. I could see them being good for each other. That alternate reality. But, it, but in this reality <laughs> that we're living in, it's not going to work. Probably not. So can Clint bull ride? Fuck no. No? I can't. He can't. We're fucking Joe Schmoes. So, so many pieces of our body would break. <laughs> Trying to do he that. He said he wouldn't be living, but he could do it. Dude, like we'd, we'd break a hip. We'd, oh, pull, yeah. we'd pull back muscles. No. You know, we might break our arm in the land because we don't know how to fucking land it's, after it throws us yeah. off. Like, no. Not for the average no. person. Moving on to Kirsten and Shaq. We see them cleaning together. They look cute, flirty, fun. But again, I always get like very fake vibes. Kirsten is talking to her friend and she is talking about the honeymoon, how amazing it was. How thinking of it and talking about it is just making her smile right now. I mean, if you're only taking the words, you're not taking the body language, the tone, the kind of everything else into consideration, Kirsten is saying everything that you would want to hear. She touches on the theme of this episode, talking about how she hopes Shaq's work schedules kind of come back to normal, that she is asleep by the time that he comes home in the evening due to student events or studying or things that he's doing at work. She says that she's worried that she's slipping through the cracks and that she is not a priority, which if this is a continuing thing, I could definitely see why she feels that way. But then as soon as I catch myself feeling bad for her, I think, is Shaq doing things like this because he also feels there's no connection that she's just lying that he's that she says don't touch me unless the cameras are here i mean is that why he's also not putting really anything into this yeah it could be that he's not or he's already felt that there is not going to be a connection with kirsten so i might as well get back to my regular routine yeah exactly live your life like why am i going to sacrifice you know my mentees my post-school stuff when this is, I can see that this is going to be a no in two months. Like it's, it's not going to be a thing. 
okay, a constant theme we're talking about this season, putting in the effort. Is Shaq then not putting in the effort? Is he not trying? Because this is possibly in response to what he's getting from Kirsten. Or is this reasonable considering the response from Kirsten of completely different off camera than on camera? I think to give this the best possible chance, even if it's not working in week one or two, you, you have to, you have to make priorities. And at this moment in time, you only have two months. Like this person literally has to be your number one priority. Like if you want to show them, like I'm ready for marriage, I'm committed, like fuck all this other shit. Maybe I'm going to miss some gym workouts. Who fucking cares? Like this should be the only thing in your world right now. Exactly. He has some quotes this episode that he's not trying. Like he's not. And we're talking, we're talking just, you know, obviously people have other, you know, other things going on in the world, but just two months, two months. It's a very short amount of time. Two months to commit to this person all you can. If it didn't work at the end, you said, hey, I did everything I could. I spent all the time I could. Wasn't meant to be. Fantastic. But if you're like, yeah, I was kind of half in, but they were really like my third priority. You didn't, that's not really giving it all your effort. And the way Kirsten described what Shaq was doing, I was like, you can literally give up like half that shit and spend more time with your wife. Yeah. Kristen and Shaq are talking about kind of previous love. How did you know when you were in love? Shaq said when someone took the time out for him, when they were patient and caring. Shaq opens up about being in a single parent home, what it meant to be a man in the real world and how kind of that affected him. Kristen says she has been in love and in her last relationship, she still had her guard up. Shaq asked, what would it take to fall in love? Kristen said, quality time, being around you and knowing you and how you feel. Shaq's response is, time will tell. We can be apart and that is still counted as time. Now this is the part where I really can't get behind Shaq here. In his interview, he says, I need to make myself happy and then I can make her happy. This almost sounded like the whole you know, love yourself before you love someone else, or you, you need to love yourself and then you can love someone else. Which I agree with that, but I don't think it applies to happiness because shouldn't you be doing things with your partner that make you happy? Shouldn't your partner be involved in things that bring you happiness? How can you make yourself happy? And then when you're a full functioning human being at the top of your game, then I'll give you some time. Right. The way you're going about it in this case is actually hindering your partner from making a connection with you. It's also hindering her happiness. So why would she stick around and hang out while you are making only yourself happy? And then if she's lucky, you'll include her in some of your happiness. It just feels so backwards to me. He's and his examples are so lame. I need to go to the gym. I need to see my family. I need to hang out with my friends in order to be happy. And then I'll hang out with you. No, 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 Something that you mentioned in that breakdown was when Kirsten was talking about prior relationships and just the way it sounds is almost like it doesn't really sound like you're ready to be married. Yes. Thank you. Like, yeah. like everyone, not everyone, but a lot of folks on the show, for example, like Chris, like, have you really recovered from these past relationships or these past traumas, are you, um, are you ready to be committed to someone? 
He's not willing to sacrifice the time for his relationship yet. Your partner's job isn't to fit into your life perfectly so that you never have to do anything or give up anything. That's not realistic at all. So I'm, I give Kirsten a lot of crap, but boy, Shaq's going to get a little bit of his own this week. Oh yeah. I've been literally nothing but dogging on Kirsten like <laughs> from the jump. I still think she's fake, but Shaq ain't that great. Shaq, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing. I'm just like, I try to give him grace and think like, oh, he's probably this way because she's putting nothing into this relationship. She's saying, get away from me. She doesn't want to spend time with him, like actually off camera. But like, man, I, she's playing it well for the camera. He needs to step up his camera game. <laughs> she is. I wonder, did you get any feedback from the community this week as far as what their thoughts on Kirsten and Shaq were or... Is everyone still vibing that Kirsten's fake? Is everyone I going think to get I Shaq? am more on that than anyone else. Okay. I, people don't necessarily think she's fake. I think a lot of people say she has her walls up as to where I truly think like she's faking it for the cameras. The, man, Shaq mentioned like you have some tall walls. And I think half of that well, for this relationship is because she doesn't want to tell you. She doesn't, she's not attracted to you. She knows she's not going to be in this relationship. Why would she open up? I guess maybe that's just the way I'm reading it. Like if your walls are just so high to me, the way it's playing out, just as a viewer on the couch, it just makes me feel like you're fake, but maybe, yeah, maybe your walls are just so big that we don't know you. No, we don't know her. Which to me, to me, it just, it just feels like this whole process is fake then. I just think if, because she's so picky and she talked every time she talked, it was only physical that mattered to her. I just think because that immediate physical attraction isn't there, like she's out. The way that she acts around her friends and family, the way we saw her at the bachelorette party, the way we saw her with her friends during introductions and dress shopping and everything was just so vastly different than she is now. I really think it's like purely attraction. So Kirsten and Shaq are hosting an evening with the mentees. These people feel felt so young, even though they were in like their maybe early 20s, late teens. They felt really young. Uh, if they're the mentees, I would think they are somewhere between 19 and 21. Yeah. Real young vibes. But I mean, they're young. Who cares? That's fine. We were all awkward <laughs> when we were younger. How would you feel about the folks? I mean... And I'm sure he spends a lot of time with the mentees. It's just his everyday work mode. But is it odd that we're meeting more people from your work environment than your, I mean, I'm sure it's, you know, Shaq sees them, you know, I'm their mentor. So it's like not specifically like a work environment, but versus like more of a friend or a family member for these conversations. I do find that odd. And I think it's unfair to Kirsten because they haven't even had a date night yet. At least for the show, you know, where oh, I say fair. the show plans it for them. Yeah. They haven't even had one. And this week when everyone had one, they got a mentee section. Like, that's not fair. I bet after this, they like did homework or some activities together. And Kristen was just sitting in the room by herself. I could see that. I just don't think it's fair that everything revolves around him and his job, essentially. And also, did we even need this on Married at First Sight? No, I did not need this scene at all because I am here for the love and the growth, not for people's jobs. I don't care about the salon. None of it. Something was interesting. I wish I wish we went into a little bit more detail. One of the mentees actually asked 
like what's something you've had to give up since going through this or being married and you know Shaq's answer was a little too it was very I'm 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 foul right now it was a little too scripted it's mm-hmm. like uh you know I know that I'm not alone in this journey anymore I'm like okay thanks like it, it, yeah. didn't, it didn't give me anything I wish I saw Kirsten go a little bit deeper in that answer during this conversation we find out that Shaq declined a job because he wants to stay local Kirsten's here great reason But me and you were torn. Did he have a conversation with her about it or did he just deny this job without telling her about it first and including her in the decision? Now that I think about it, I think it was more of what you were thinking where he declined it without talking to her. Now, she's made it pretty clear, like my friends and family are here. I love it here. But regardless of if you know the answer, this is a big life altering thing. You have to discuss it with your spouse. You have to. It doesn't matter if you think you know the answer. You have to talk about it. Also, you're already not having the greatest communication and you just made it. This could have improved it is what I'm trying to say. But what are your thoughts? Like if Kirsten is so set on this is my home base, like I am not planning to move. What would be the point of bringing up that conversation if for them to stay together, he would have to turn it down anyways? It doesn't matter. It's full respect, communication. It's including your wife in your life. Right. Okay. So. That's fair. Then we catch up with Kirsten and Shaq at a plant shop. Now, this would be super cute. Not necessarily a date night, though, which is still annoying, but an activity outside of the house, which is very rare for them. Nice to see that, sure, but I found it very annoying that Shaq does not spend a lot of time with Kirsten, and then we have a day together, and we have to do things that Shaq likes. Not something that they both like, not something that she wants to do, not something that would make her feel special. No, just what Shaq wants to do, and she can't even pick a plant she likes. I really hope for their sake it was cut, and they actually did something like Go to a lunch, go to a dinner, did something, but this was not the date. No, it was not at all. We ran an errand to make Shaq feel better. The whole breakdown in this section with Kirsten of, she was basically saying it's Shaq's way or no way. Like I it, mean, it's, we it's, saw a lot it, of and, examples. No, and we saw it. It was, yeah. it was perfect. She was basically, I mean, from the jump, she was kind of over the, the this. Yeah. She was not into this. And then... The fact that anything she, they were both countering each other so much. But she was, was not countering him that much. Anytime she would express opinion, he would say it was wrong. Right. I agree. I agree with that. But it was, it was odd energy. Almost like at this point, are you guys doing this on purpose? Like you're just, you're just countering everything. You pick the, it's the same plant. Oh, one's taller and then one's smaller. And then they're both even on the same fucking plant. You can't even decide which plant to get. And eventually she just came. She's like, whatever, let's get the fucking small one. You want to watch it grow? Whatever. Yeah, because you can't, with that type of person, there's no reason to keep fighting. I wish Kristen was like, why did you even bring me here? Like, I did, You could have just got what you I wanted. nothing here. You I could go off with my friends. Yeah. And then we see Kirsten in a bathrobe. There is essential oils going, candles lit. Very romantic. Shaq comes in the door and he asks if this is all for him. He didn't seem that into it. He didn't seem that surprised or happy about it. No, you think if you saw something like that, you'd be like, holy shit. I know. This is fucking dope. I would be like, wow. Let me get into my robe. Let's go. He was not. He's he's like, like, oh, this is, um, this is nice. Hmm. 
Yeah. I no, not happy enough for me. I'd be like, fine, don't I was do like, it. Damn, Shaq, have you just had just women just give you a, a spa, spa day? A, a spa-cation just on the regular? She gets the foot bath ready for him, puts some Epsom salt in there, and then asks him if the water is hot enough for him. Back Being massage, back massage. Very caring. Mm-hmm. Then they decide to do blindfolded questions. You know, it's interesting. This has happened on a previous season. Yeah, because it's all the same producers. I think it was. <laughs> no, it, it was uh, Michael and Jasmina. Yeah. Yep. It's always the intimacy exercise. Right, it's whoever's right, struggling. Right. But in and that case, it was the person answering is blindfolded, right? Yes. But in this case, they were, I thought it was interesting that they were actually both blindfolded. You almost, you almost can't read someone, you know, by their expressions. You have to, you have to read them by the tone, their voice and how they're, how they're sending that. I thought that was really interesting. And then also the person speaking probably feels maybe a little bit more comfortable. You don't have the intimacy of someone's gaze, their own body language. So they both need to talk about one thing that they did not tell their partner about themselves. Shaq talks about how he has insecurity issues. He's insecure about who he is, what he does, how he was raised, and going bald. Now, he could have expanded on this and also said, like, it was really hurtful when you made such a big deal about me being bald, but we weren't going to touch it, which is probably good for them because they have enough to work on without going backwards. So just go forward. Kirsten tries to boost him up, says that she thinks he's an amazing man. He is striving for excellence and that it looks good on him. When Shaq then turns the questions to her and says, tell me something I don't know about you. She says, there are a ton of things you don't know about me. And then he says, why? Why is that? And she gave the most generic response of because we need to keep talking to each other. This, it went downhill so fast. This conversation got <laughs> like the, the road was just all over the place. I don't think there's a way to read this correctly because I had like three opinions just as the scene was playing out. In some ways, I think Kirsten just said, there's a lot you don't know about me as a way to sound more um, interesting, more, I don't know, just just different. But in reality, she might have. When Shaq doubled down and said, well, tell me something, I, I wonder if she caught herself and was like, you know what? Actually, there's nothing else I can really tell about myself. He pretty much knows everything. And that was it. But then also it kind of makes you seem very, uh, very shallow or, you know, you're not, you're not a deep individual with a lot of layers. But here's the thing. She's just not being truthful. Everyone has those layers. As boring as your life has been, you have been through struggles. Things have hurt you and you have overcome them. But then. Shaq mentions the walls. Your walls are really tall. This is going nowhere if you don't. He really, he was mentioning, he was saying, like, if you don't let me in, like, it's not going to work. Like, I need to know these things about you. You need to, again, you need to trust me. Shaq asks her to tell him something else, and she can't. There are pauses. She's using filler words. She says, there isn't anything else. What do you think this is a symptom of? Like, just. Honestly, I think it's because she's so disinterested in this. She knows this. She is not going to be in this relationship. She is not going to open up to someone that she does not see a future with, that she does not trust. She is just buying her time until they break up. So you don't think it could be something where I've I've been hurt in the past and I don't feel comfortable opening up to you? No, that's her excuse. Okay. That's what she says it is. 
Hmm. And she says, I didn't even open up with my ex. Okay, but that at least lasted four years. And four years not opening up? I mean, red flag. Massive red flag. Uh, that's, that's a long time. I just don't. She would be so much more open and trying if she was attracted. That's a bummer. It is a bummer That's because a bummer. there's it. They're both. I just not. They're not trying very hard. On the next time on, we see the one month anniversary. Gina hates Clint's eating. Which why do you need to say that? It's rude. See, Gina, you're shooting yourself in the foot here. Like, is he allowed to say that to you about your eating? No, you would be so insulted. Remember, was it Eris? And he's like, oh, you were talking? I was just enjoying these tacos. I'm like, so annoying. You, you dummy. <laughs> I don't know what Gina's thinking. You guys were making progress. Now I haven't seen the episode, of course. It could be in response to something Clint said. You know, honestly, I'm sorry, Clint, but that's probably the case. <laughs> I know. It's probably the case. So we'll see. If it came out of nowhere, then I'm going to have to start dogging her again, and that's going to suck, but... Jasmine is finally opening up and letting out a little bit of frustration, which I cannot wait to see. But we also see Eris saying that he's checking out. So this might just be another reason that this is going downhill. No, I'm I'm reading I'm reading through that. It was probably in, in reference to early on when they first at the honeymoon. Okay, it was probably referencing the honeymoon where he was kind of I'm gonna go on my walks by myself in the morning. You're still sleeping. Okay. Um, I'm about checked out, or my mindset was about checked out at that moment in time. Then we see Shaq telling Kirsten that she needs to open up, which I'm sure will not convince her to open up. <laughs> I don't think just telling someone what they need to do you gotta really open helps. Up. Yeah. Oh, okay. I will. Oh, okay. Let, yeah. me just, let me just flip that switch. Now, I realized I should have rewatched this section because I was looking down, taking my notes when I heard Max say, I slid into Gina's DMs. Fucked up if he did that because this is a married woman and you are trying to disturb that. Not a good move. No. Not a good look for him as a person. Mm -mm. You're 36. Why are you doing that? He was like, if there's a chance, send a... Send a smoke signal. So here's my question. Is Clint and Dom's kiss retaliation? Oh, so they knew somehow that Mac got into Gina's DMs. Mm -hmm. They're like, hey, we're going to have this get together. Let's fuck with them. Yep. I kind of support it. (laughs) There's no stakes, people. None of this is going to matter. But is that scene going to be a... Uh, week six thing? No, I assume it's after decision day. I oh, stick with gotcha. that. I think the timeline is after decision day when you all catch up and everything like that. Gotcha. Okay. But I'm also annoyed that we have to see like Mac and Dom again. I thought we were like, we were done. That chapter's closed. We're moving forward with all these other people that shouldn't be married. <laughs> it's always interesting to see the couple that didn't make it come back. You know, like, was it Chris and, uh, no, I'm not. I'm not a bad person. Yes. Alyssa. Yeah, Chris and Alyssa. That's all for me this week. How about you? That is all. Thank you so much for joining us. Again, we have the NCAA <laughs> March Madness pools going on for the men's and women's. Come through. Win some free money. All right. Thank you all for listening. I hope you all have a good weekend. Do something for yourself. Have some fun. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye, y'all. 